You should do it today. God bless you. Judges chapter 7, I'm going to begin reading from the second verse, and we're going to move through it here quickly. But notice with me this great biblical account. The Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned to the people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. The Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Every one that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog laugheth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man unto his place. Verse number 16, he divided, Gideon divided the 300 men into three companies. He put a trumpet in every man's hand with every empty pitchers, lamps within the pitchers. He said unto them, look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch. They blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets, break the pitchers, held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. I want to just speak to you for a few moments this morning on this subject, the 300. I want to talk to you about the 300. Could we go to the Lord together and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word? Lord, I thank you for every person that is gathered here, and I thank you for every person that will hear this word. I pray, God, that you will give clarity, that you will allow your anointing to flow upon your messenger and upon your people. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name, to do all that you have commissioned us to do. We give you the praise, and we humble ourselves before you. You have already done a work here today. We pray you will perfect it, you will complete it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Let me provide you with just a quick backdrop of what is happening in this passage of Scripture. Gideon's biblical account opens... With the, with the children of Israel in a position of what the Bible calls being impoverished by the Midianites. There is great poverty that has come upon the children of Israel. And this was not terribly uncommon for them because in their history, and the book of Judges records this history, there was continual backsliding that would occur with the children of Israel. 
They would live for the Lord for a little while and then they would, they would backslide. This backsliding condition would take place around the time that a great deliverer would, would go off the scene. So God would raise up a deliverer and would use them mightily to deliver God's people out of the hand of the enemy. And that deliverer would do so. And as long as that deliverer was in place, the children of Israel would serve the Lord. And then, of course, if the deliverer were to pass away, then, then the children of Israel would just forget about the Lord. And then one generation would rise up that knew not God, that knew not the works that he had done for Israel and it is a sad story that is repeated over and over throughout the book of Judges. And we find Gideon in the middle of one of those sad, vicious cycles that Israel was, 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 uh, had a propensity for. So the Bible describes that he's down by the wheat press. He's threshing wheat down there. It's not ideal. You can't really thresh wheat down by a wheat press, but he was there. And, and the, the challenge with it is that, uh, that, that you really aren't able to be successful in the cultivation of wheat as long as you're in a, not on a threshing floor. But he had to do it because the Midianites were watching from a far ways off. And every time that Israel would ever make any progress with any of their crops, the children of Israel would, would fall prey to the Midianites. The Midianites would come in like a swarm of locusts for multitude. They would overpower Israel and they would rob them of their wheat. They would rob them of their barley. They would rob them of any crop that they had developed. And so the children of Israel were, for these reasons, greatly impoverished. And the Bible says it was because of the Midianites. Poverty is an awful thing. Natural poverty is a very, very severe uh, crisis of faith and trial of life. And I will tell you that spiritual poverty is a severe crisis of faith and trial of life. And I will go further as to say that our world is dealing with various kinds of poverties. And they deal with financial poverty. They deal with spiritual poverty. They deal with moral poverty. Our world struggles with the fact that they are just open season when it comes to the attacks of the enemy. And what you look around and see in our world is, as it relates to their depravity, to their brokenness. Anybody know we're living in a broken world? And the world's been broken since the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden. It's, it's a broken world. And, and this broken world has generated just an innumerable number of vices and problems and to the point that that, that people deal with all of the fear concerning what could go wrong in our world. Everything from a natural disaster to some kind of a tragedy that could unfold, to some kind of a disease that could take hold, to on and on I could describe more worst case scenarios and more problems and people just fall victim to it and fall prey to it and allow it now to overtake them much like the Midianites did to the children of Israel and Israel would become greatly impoverished as a result. But there was a man by the name of Gideon. And Gideon was, the Bible says, a mighty man of valor. That's what the Lord called him. The angel of the Lord met him at his place of threshing wheat and called him a mighty man of valor. Gideon was shocked by this description because he did not see himself 
as being a mighty man of valor. He came from a very poor family. They came from a very poor tribe. There didn't seem to be any advantage that he had. He was just simply trying to do something that could create some kind of a, 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 a food source for his family. And yet the angel of the Lord meets him there and says, You're a mighty man of valor, and my anointing is upon you, and I'm going to deliver the Midianites into your hand. He's gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, going to, I'm going to rescue my people, and it's going to happen because of, of you. It took a little convincing for Gideon ever to even embrace what the angel of the Lord was saying. As a matter of fact, he even offered what we now call a fleece. If you ever fleece God, what we're saying is that you are saying, Okay, God, if you do this, then I'll know you mean that. And, and it, it, that term fleecing God came from this account in the scriptures where Gideon is talking to the Lord and, and, and God says, I'm going to deliver Midian into your hand and I'm going to rescue my people through you. And Gideon says, I can't even believe what I'm hearing and so I need to see a couple signs. Do you know God doesn't like it when we ask for signs? He wants us just to walk by faith. But he was, but, but he, he was tolerant of Gideon's doubt and he said, all right, you need a sign, I'm going to give you a couple signs. Even though I'd prefer you do it without need of a sign, I'm going to work with you here. God is a good God. He knows, knows where we are, and he knows what we're dealing with. And if you have doubt today, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. But at the same time, I don't want you to think that because you're wrestling with doubt, that, does, that means you don't have faith. Did you know that if you have a little doubt in you, you can obey God out of that doubt? You can obey your way out of that doubt? Sometimes we think we lack faith because we've got this nagging, lingering doubt in the back of our mind. Well, welcome to humanity. Everybody's got a little nagging, lingering doubt in the back of their mind. But your obedience says, I have faith anyway, regardless of what my doubt may be. And Gideon, Gideon was struggling to believe, but, but God convinced him. And he, he said, all right, God, I'm going to trust in you. And the Lord began to tell him, I want you to gather the people. I'm going to put a mighty army together. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be in the army of the Lord. That's where we are. We're in the army of the Lord. I want you to know that this, this right here is not our mission field. This is our training ground. Now, if you're here today and you say, I don't know if I'm part of this army, we're, I'll just be open with We're trying to recruit you today into the army of the Lord. Just, 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 we want you to be a part of what God is doing in this city to reach people who need the love of God. Amen. This is the training ground. This is where we come together and we refresh ourselves and we equip ourselves and we strengthen ourselves for the task at hand. And so when, when Gideon is told by God, I'm going to gather this mighty army together, he gathers 32,000 soldiers and says, all right, you've got a fighting army and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to show you how this is done. And Gideon's looking out over these 32,000 men like, I don't know if this is going to cut it. This is a mighty army, the Midianites, and they have overtaken us all these years. And God, we may... I don't know if 32,000 is going to work. And God said, you know, you're right. 32,000 is not the right number. And Gideon said, yeah, that's what I was thinking. 32,000 just isn't going to work. He said, you're right. You're right. Why don't you go tell everybody that if anybody's afraid, they can go home. 
No questions asked, no harm done, no harm, no foul. If you're afraid, you can go home. And Gideon is thinking, that sounds like a terrible idea because if I make that announcement, we're going to get a lot of takers. And so he gets up and says, all right. And he's crossing his fingers. He's hoping against hope that everybody will just, you know, just man up and be ready for the task. And he makes the announcement. Listen, if you're fearful and afraid, you can go home if you want to. Go kick your feet up, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, sip a little coffee and a little hot tea, and you just go on home if you're fearful and afraid. And, and uh, 22,000 men actually walked off the, off the training site that day, and he was left with 10,000 men. And I think Gideon thought that probably caught God by surprise. And he's thinking, all right, God, now what do I do with 10,000 men? And God says, Oh, man, 10,000, that just is not going to work. And Gideon said, thank you, thank you. 10,000 is absolutely not going to work. No, 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 we're going to have to have far less than 10,000 men. And God's reasoning was because he didn't want, when it was all said and done, for anybody to say, man, did it. He wanted people to know it was God who gave them the victory. And, and if you don't think that's important, then you, you need to understand the vicious cycle of the book of Judges. You need to know that they had this misperception that it was the strength of their deliverers that gave them victory. So that when the deliverer died, they lost the victory. But God said, I want you to know that whether there's a deliverer or not, I am God. And I am the one who has given you the victory. Hallelujah. I want you to know it's God who gives us the victory. Thank you, Jesus. And so, so Gideon is told by God, take them down to the water. They go down to the water. And when they get down to the water, God said, I want you to note how they drink. He said, everybody who, who just throws their weapons down, gets on their knees and their hands, and just buries their face in the water and starts drinking it, gulping it, because they're so thirsty. I want you to set them over on one side. And everybody who goes down, and even though they're thirsty... They, they, they do so responsibly and they don't forget that they're a soldier. They don't forget that there might be an enemy on the prowl. They don't forget that there may be some danger lurking out there somewhere, but they, they take the water in their hand and they lap it like a dog. Not nearly as satisfying as just guzzling it down, but, but much more responsible. And I want you to take them and I want you to set them off to the side. And then, and then we're going to know who's going to the battle because this isn't going to be something of a mighty army. This is going to be an elite force of people. And when it was all said and done, only 300 men drank the right way. I'm just imagining Gideon over there hoping he gets about 50-50, you know. Maybe gets a little more that drink the right way versus those that drink the wrong way. And then one after another drinks the wrong way. And I can see Gideon stomping his feet, putting his hands on his forehead. What are you people doing? What are you thinking? And God is just whittling away this army. He started with this mighty host that could have gone out and at least tried. But now he's left with 300 men. And I've come to preach to you about the 300 because I believe that God has called us to be in the 300. The 300 is not a, 
a capped number. It has to do with principle and it has to do with, with priority and it has to do with your perspective of God and his battle, his, his kingdom. And so I've come to preach today to the 300. Hallelujah. I've come to tell you that you are not a part of the people who are fearful and afraid. Hallelujah. There are a number who will walk away when the going gets tough. And the reason they will walk away is because they are fearful of the battle at hand. And they are afraid that they will lose their life. The 300 are not so. The 300 are not afraid of losing their life. They gladly lay their life down for the cause of Jesus Christ. The 300 are not afraid of what the enemy can do. They understand they have power over the enemy. Now, I know that fear has plagued our world, and there is a plethora of fear that you can subscribe to today. There's an, any number of fears that can grip you. You can fear the unknown. You can fear what tomorrow may hold. You can fear what the test results are. You can fear what that symptom is in your body. You can fear a worst-case scenario developing for your children or for your marriage. You can fear what people may think of you. And I, I could go on and on, but I rebuke all of that fear in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you how to overcome fear. Fear is a natural emotion. It's a real emotion, and you're going to have it no matter what. Now, I'm going to tell you how to overcome fear. Fear nothing but the Lord. He is the only, my God. Do you know what fear is? Fear is moral reverence and awe. When we have moral awe or reverence for something, we fear it. And when we give something that moral reverential awe, that we are just awestruck by it, it has a control over us. And when you look at cancer with a moral awe, then cancer gets a hold of you. When you look at the possibility of a tragedy unfolding, with a moral awe, it gets a hold of you. And, it, and, and then the spirit of fear begins to take hold. And then you have torment because fear hath torment. But, but, but you're going to have fear. It's a part of who you are. The fact is we are to fear nothing but God. We are only to have moral reverential awe for the Lord. Only him, because only he is worthy of moral reverential awe. Cancer has not earned your awe. Tragedy has not earned your awe. Possible bankruptcy has not earned your awe. Possible divorce has not earned your awe. But God is awesome. God is awe-inspiring. And the way to overcome fear is to fear only the Lord and to fear nothing else. Nothing else gets my fear just like nothing else gets my faith and nothing else gets my worship and nothing else gets my devotion. Nothing else gets my fear. Only God gets my fear. Only God gets my worship. Only God gets my, my faith. So yes, if they're 22,000 that want to go home, let them go home. But I'm going to be part of the 300. 
And I'll tell you why. Because I look around my world and I see spiritual poverty. I look around my city and I see people that are broken. People that need God. People that need hope and need help. And the only people that can make a difference are the people of God. Hallelujah. Stop asking the government to make a difference. The government doesn't have the Holy Ghost. The government isn't washed in the blood of the Lamb. You've started believing that carnal weapons can fight spiritual battles. Stop believing that the government can accomplish a spiritual means. It's only the church that can accomplish a spiritual means. My God have mercy. You really think anything's going to break addiction? This is why the world says it's not real. People talk about coming out of alcoholism and the world says that's not even possible. There's, there's no, no way it can even be done. They don't even trust the people who say it's happened because they're fighting battles with carnal weapons. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and you know you know you know it was nothing but God that brought you out it was nothing but the blood of Jesus that set you free it was only the power of the Holy Ghost that lifted you from your despair hallelujah glory no 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 we're not afraid we're not afraid we're not afraid of anything in the name of Jesus I need some witnesses here today. We are not afraid. Hallelujah, Brother Haskin. If God be for us, who can be against us? We are not afraid. We're not fearful. We're not fearful of what's happening in our world. We're not fearful of what's happening in our city. We're not fearful of what's happening in our nation. We're not fearful of any of it. My goodness, my goodness. You were made for this moment. Stop wishing you were born in a different era. You were made for this moment. You say, yeah, but things have gotten crazy in 2020. I, we're not afraid of crazy. Are you kidding me? We were made for crazy. Didn't you just see us a moment ago? We're crazy, crazy, crazy. We were made for crazy. We know what prayer can do. We know what fasting can do. We know what worship can do. We know, hallelujah, that there's healing in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And we are not afraid. Oh, I feel like I, I'm going to have to preach it till you believe it. We're not afraid of the mark of the beast. We're not afraid of the Antichrist. We're not afraid of nuclear war. We're not afraid of North Korea. We're not afraid of the Chinese Communist Party. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. Hallelujah. 22,000 men walked away because they were afraid. Don't look at the people that walk away as being as, as as meaning that you should walk away because they may walk away because they're afraid. That doesn't have any influence or impact upon you no I'm part of the 300 I'm part of the 300 I am here for the long haul I am here to let the light shine 
Hallelujah. Do you want me to tell you how they fought this battle? I know you don't think 32,000 or 10,000 can win this battle or even 300 could win this battle. But the way they won this battle is that they gathered in companies of hundreds and they surrounded the army of the Midianites. And when they blew the trumpet, they shattered, the, they shattered a pitcher. And on the inside of the pitcher was a lamp of fire. And when that lamp of fire began to shine in the night sky, the end enemy tens of thousands of soldiers went running for their lives because the light was shining in the darkness and I'm going to tell you if you have a gathering of 300 who are willing to let the light shine you've got the victory how many have faith in God how many have faith in the power of God how many have faith in the power of prayer? We are not of those who draw back unto perdition. We don't leave and run and hide. But even though there were 22,000 that were afraid and fled because they were afraid, there were still 10,000. And the Lord said, we have another test. And the next test is going to be the water test. And the water test is going to involve how do they drink? How do they respond to thirst? It matters how you respond to thirst. Whether you can be part of the 300. Because I'm going to tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, everybody gets thirsty. I'm thirsty right now. And I'm just not drinking this yet. But when this is done, I'm going to guzzle this whole bottle of water. I'm thirsty right now. But I'm not going to get on my hands and knees and just start just start guzzling it because I've got a job to do. And no matter how thirsty you get, you've got a job to do. You, you've got to pay attention to whether or not you are a slave to appetite. The 300 cannot be slaves to appetite. Because you have a fleshly body, you do. And as long as you're on this earth, you're going to have a fleshly body. And that fleshly body is a broken body. And that fleshly body is a dying body. And the apostle Paul said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? It is a, it is a body of death. It is in constant, it is in constant dying mode. And it has, it has proclivities and it has thirsts and it has hunger and it has appetite and there are going to be times where you feel parched and God pays attention to how you act when you have certain thirsts you can't just give in to every thirst that comes your way you can't just give in to every time your mouth gets dry and every time you feel like you, you're about to lose it if you don't have some sort of relief from these circumstances and, and you can't react to that every time. This is what prevents a lot of people who are not fearful, a lot of people who have faith, a lot of people who want to fight the devil, a lot of people who want to lead their families and, and have good homes and, and have an anointing upon their life and they, and they want to be a pillar in the church and they want to support the ministry and they want to do a work for God but 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 there is another test that can prevent them from being a part of the 300 and that is the test of water how do you respond to thirst how do you respond to appetite 
because that matters to God. And, 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 and the battle that we are in is going to involve people who have a control over that appetite. I'm going to tell you, you've got to let the Holy Ghost have control over your human flesh. There are going to be times where you get thirsty for anger and you want to fly off a handle and you want to rip somebody's head off. And I'm telling you, the 300 can't do that. You don't, get to just, you don't get to just go down on your knees and put your hands on the ground and bury your face in anger and guzzle it up and drink it down because it makes you feel good. Oh, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Well, you know, you keep giving so many people a piece of your mind. <laughs> Starting to run low on extra pieces. And you say something like, oh, they have lost their mind. Well, because they probably handed out too many pieces of it. You got to, you know what? Hold your peace. <laughs> Hold your P I E C E and let the Lord fight your battles. I know you're thirsty for anger. I know you're thirsty for revenge, but vengeance doesn't belong to you, and vengeance doesn't belong to me. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, and you've got to let the Lord fight your battle. You will disqualify yourself from what God is trying to do. And I'm going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there's no pond, there's no lake, there's no tributary, there's no river, there's no water that is worth losing out on what God wants to do in my life. He has anointed me for this moment and it doesn't matter how angry you get don't you don't you bury your face in that anger don't bury your face in that pride of life or the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes those are all appetites that must be constrained by the holy ghost hallelujah hold your peace let the lord fight your battles Hallelujah. If you're struggling today with the lust of the flesh, you need to bring that to an old-fashioned altar. It still works. We're living in a world where everybody's been told, if you want to do it, go do it. And if anybody says that you're living in sin, then you should just cancel them. Preachers are being canceled, and preachers are afraid to preach righteousness. Even other preachers get up and preach against preachers who preach righteousness. Pulpits all across the world have gone silent about sin. And there's no 300 who can deliver the people from the impoverishment of the Midianites. Because everybody's drinking up the water of the Midianites. Everybody's, everybody's drinking what the enemy is serving. Everybody is eating up what the enemy is putting out on the table. And there's no voice of clarity that will stand up and say, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. There's no voice of, there's no certain sound of the trumpet that will stand up and say, No, we are a holy people. We are a separated people. Not because we're better than anybody but because he brought me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock to stay. We didn't come here to make sinners think we're cool. We came here to seek and to save that which was lost. No, we don't think we're holier than anybody. Such were some of us. But he washed us and he sanctified us and he justified us. Yeah, we are a holy nation. Yes, we are a chosen generation. Yes, we are a royal priesthood. Yes, we are a peculiar people. Yes, we are. 
Yeah, we do not do certain things because we're part of the 300. No, we don't guzzle everything the devil sends our way because we're part of the 300. There are certain places we don't go, certain things we don't wear, certain people that we don't let have influence on us because we are part of the elite force. And this world cannot be delivered by by, by just anybody with any kind of a philosophy. The power of God belongs in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's the 300 who are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the 300 who know it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, President Dwight Eisenhower was General Dwight Eisenhower before he was president. And he was famous because of his commanding of, of D-Day and, and commanding of certain theaters of war during World War II. And, 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 and the way that he overtook Adolf Hitler was truly amazing. And it made him a hero in the eyes of the American public. And they elected him president for it. But when Dwight Eisenhower was a little boy, his granddaughter wrote from his memoirs that at, when he was a little boy... His parents allowed his two older siblings to go trick-or-treating. But they didn't let young Dwight go trick-or-treating. And so he was mad that he didn't go out with his siblings. And they got to go out. And he was stuck at home. And he, he, was, he went into a rage. He was just a kid. But he went into a blind rage. And, and he, actually, he actually was so angry that he went and took his, his fist and he, he blacked out and just started hitting the, the bark of the tree in the backyard of his home. So angry at his parents for not letting him go out with his siblings, he felt it was unfair and unjust. And, and he was disciplined by his dad. And he was sent to his room. And his mom came to his room and he, he wrote about it in his memoirs that this was one of the most momentous moments of his life a core memory of his life she sat down with him and let him pour it all out all the crying and all the anger and all the all the all the strife he had about the unfairness of this and then she said to him she said the bible says he that has control of his own spirit is greater than he who can take a city that was a core memory for Dwight Eisenhower it was something that stuck with him all the days of his life. And he remembered it when he was dealing with a maniacal, murderous madman who literally was taking cities one by one, one by one, and countries and a continent. And when push came to shove and when one came against one, Dwight Eisenhower defeated Adolf Hitler because though Hitler could take a city, Eisenhower had control of his own spirit. And he that has control of his own spirit is greater than he that can take a city. And when it comes right down to it, ladies and gentlemen, we, you may look at our city and say, this city is in ruins. This, this city needs salvation. This city needs God. Yeah, they do. And the 300 are the ones who are going to let that light so shine. And we're going to do it by having control of our own spirit. Hallelujah. We're not given to the lusts of the flesh. We're not given to the lusts of the eyes. We're not given to the love of money. We're not given to the pride of life. We're not given to, to anger. 
anger and to envy and to malice and to wrath and to rage. But we have an experience with God. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. When we walked away from the opportunity to go back, you were a part of the 32,000. When the opportunity for, are you afraid? You can go back if you're afraid. But you said, no, I'm not going back. That's called repentance. I'm not going back. I said, that's called repentance. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to the way I used to live. I'm not going back to the places I used to go. I'm not going back to the habits. I'm not going back to those enslaving habits of life. No, no. And and you've been to the water. Hallelujah. The water test. The real water test, ladies and gentlemen, is when you're baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate constraint of anyone's spirit to be able to go down in that precious name and to know that I am no longer a a, a master of my own fate, but I belong to him. I'm going to let Joel die in a watery grave of baptism and I'm going to rise to walk in the newness of life. Anybody ever been down in the water in the precious name of Jesus Christ? When they came up from the water, they only had 300 men. But those 300 men were ready to do the work of the Lord. And they walked out onto that mountainside. And the Bible says that they took pitchers in their hands. In their left hand they had a pitcher and in their right hand they had a trumpet. And they shattered that pitcher at the sound of the trumpet. And when they did there was a bright fire that began to illuminate the night sky. That is the fire of the Holy Ghost. And when God fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost you ought not to hide it. You ought not to bury it under a bushel. If there's anything camouflaging your Holy Ghost, remove the camouflage If there's anything you've got cleverly disguising you so nobody will know that you've been filled with the Spirit, you've been washed in the blood, you need to remove the camouflage. It's time to let the light shine. It's time to let everybody know that God is my God. Jesus is my Lord. He is the one who saves me. He's the one who brought me out. That's the light that's going to drive out the darkness. That's the light that's going to drive away the enemy. Hallelujah. It's the light of Christ. In fact, when that shattered pitcher, that pitcher breaks open, it's equivalent to the body of Jesus Christ being pierced upon that cross. Because when that body was pierced, that body was shattered, there was a light that began to shine. And that light begins to drive out the darkness everywhere you look. There are people who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not going to come from just anybody. It's going to come from the 300. It's going to come from those, hallelujah, who have passed the test of thirst. Those who have passed the test of fear. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. And when I'm thirsty, I hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
Hallelujah. You can try to quench your thirst with whatever you want to quench your thirst with. You will never quench your thirst with anything but righteousness. You can go to any bar in town and you'll come back here still thirsty. You can go into any illicit relationship in this city, but you'll come back here still thirsty. You can go tell somebody off. You can cuss them out. No, you can't. Don't do that. But you can, as far as the devil is concerned, you can cuss them out, but you're going to come back here with an unsatisfaction. It won't satisfy you. It will only make things worse. It's time to get serious about the work of the Lord and say, God has called me to be part of the elite. God has called me to be a part of a special force. Hallelujah. Yeah, I make certain sacrifices. Yeah, I give in offerings. I'm a part of a special force. Somebody lift your hands and give him praise right now. Come on, give him praise right now. Give him praise right now. Come on, I want a husband and a father that the devil's trying to tempt you to quench your thirst with the pleasures of this world. You're a part of a special force, sir. Come on, lift your hands with me. Stand to your feet with me and lift your hands and your voices unto God and say, God, make me a part of the chosen few. Make me a part of the chosen few. Hallelujah. 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 I want those who are not afraid, I want you to come forward. If you're not afraid, I want you to begin to come forward in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm not afraid of the darkness. I'm not afraid of sickness. I'm, I'm not afraid. Hallelujah. I'm not afraid. Hallelujah. You say, I don't know if I can really say that with conviction. Say it till you believe it. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Hallelujah. God is developing you into a fighting force. God is developing Tree of Life Church into a fighting force. Glory to God. I want, I want those, I want those who thirst after righteousness. Could you just lift your hand all across this house? I'm thirsty for righteousness. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus, I'm thirsty for righteousness. Hallelujah. I want righteousness in my home. I want righteousness in my marriage. I want righteousness in my family. I want righteousness in my mind. I want purity in my thoughts. I'm a part of a fighting force. I'm the part of a fighting force. I'm not of those who draw back. I, I, I'm not in this for the short term. I'm in this for the long term. Woo, hallelujah. My God. You know what I want? I need, some, I need some seasoned saints right now all across this house to lift up your hands. You've been in this for couple of decades and more. Could you do that with me right now? Come on, I need some seasoned saints. My God, have mercy. Come on, all the seasoned saints, lift your hand as high as you can. Hallelujah. Come on, we need your witness. We need your witness. We need your witness. We're living in an age of deception. Hallelujah. We're living in an age of discouragement. But God is raising up a fighting force. He's raising up a special unit. Hallelujah. 
who don't fall into the traps of anger and fall into the traps of lust and fall into the traps of envy. Don't fall into the traps of malice. Don't fall into the traps of pride and covetousness. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. I need some younger saints that have been in it for a little while. Not very long. I want you to lift your hands as high as you can. And say, count me in, God. Count me in, God. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it for the long haul. Lord, use me in Jesus' name. Use me this city in the this week in my city. Use me this week in my city. Use me this week. Hallelujah. When I walk through the water, I won't be overcome. When I go through the going to give some people control of their spirit right now. God's going to give you some control over your spirit. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And God is going to give you control over worry. You're going to actually put your hand on worry and you will control it. And you will turn it into proper concern for proper things. And you will remove it from running roughshod over your faith. Hallelujah. It will not run roughshod over your faith because God is giving you control over your spirit right now. Hallelujah. Ask him for it. Ask him for it. And that evil Hitler-like spirit that's trying to take control of your mind and your family, you're going to conquer him because greater is he that rules his own spirit than he that can take a city. God is giving you control over the lusts of your flesh. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Some of you are struggling with perverse lusts and God is giving you victory over it right now. In Jesus' name, He's giving you the power to control the appetite of the flesh and to actually crucify the flesh of the old man. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. Let God do it right now. Lift up your hands and let God do it right now. There is an anger. There is an anger that you've been struggling with. It's like a rage. It's like a fire. And, it's, and, and you're, you're taking it out on the people closest to you. 
the folks you love the most, they're getting the brunt of it. But God is going to give you power over it today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let him put your hand on that anger. Hallelujah. You're going to rule that spirit. You're going to rule your spirit. And you're going to conquer cities. So I